Let us pray. Holy Spirit, wash away our preconceived feelings and notions of what love is and what love means so that we may see the endless ways you care for us. Teach us through your word that there is space for both strictness and freedom, the known and the unknown, and the full spectrum of your holy presence in our lives. Amen. This evening's first reading comes from Genesis, continuing our, our theme in Lent so far, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 21. Let us listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church. The woman and man heard the sound of the sovereign God walking about in the garden in the breezy part of the day. And the woman and her man hid themselves from the presence of the sovereign God among the trees of the garden. And then the sovereign God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then God said, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to stand with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. And then the sovereign God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The sovereign God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all herd animals, and among all wild creatures, upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. Her offspring will strike your head, and you will strike the heel of her offspring. And to the woman God said, I will greatly increase your, pains, your painful toil and your pregnancies. In pain shall you birth children. And your desire shall be for your man, yet he shall rule over you. And to the man, God said, because you've listened to the voice of your woman and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In painful toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorn and thistle shall it grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man named his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the sovereign God made garments of skin for the woman and her man, and clothed them. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. A reading from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. When then shall we say these things? When then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? God is the one who did not spare the very child of God, but rather for all of us handed the Messiah over. Will not God with Christ also give us everything else? Who then will bring any change against the elect of God? God is the one who justifies. Who will condemn? It is Christ Jesus, the one who died. 
moreover the one who was raised and who was and who is at the right hand of God who intercedes for us who will separate us from the love of Christ will affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all day long we are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are completely victorious through the one who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor powers that be, nor things that are, nor things that will be, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Redeemer. The word of the Lord. Before I get started, we're all going to take a deep breath together. Both of those readings were very like, Whoa. So we're going to do what I learned in theater class. It's going to be great. So the way it works, you're going to breathe in. You're going to breathe out. So we're going to do it three times together. You ready? As you are able, you can just breathe if you would like. You ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Last time. Breathe in, biggest sigh of the day, breathe out. So that is an activity used for like stepping out of really rough scenes in theater. So I feel like that's a good way to just kind of like, those texts were heavy, we're gonna step out all together and jump into this sermon together. So these two readings were really special for me personally tonight because they represent two different things that had never been a part of my faith before. One, the book of Genesis, like as a whole, and two, a series of religious questions. So I was raised Catholic, which you can obviously tell by the everything about me. Um, and I don't know exactly what like non-Catholics, specifically like Protestants, are taught about Catholics, but I feel like there's like this idea that it's like a very traditionalist, like text-driven point of view. Um, not to burst any bubbles or anything, but my religious upbringing was definitely not all that focused on the Bible, surprisingly, and specifically didn't end up hearing much from the Old Testament at all. And so my teaching about God really centered around the New Testament, which is filled with like mystical accounts of Jesus's miracles and visible spectacles of the spirit. So getting to Genesis was completely uncharted territory for me in looking at these readings for this week. And kind of similarly, I hadn't heard about an instance of any one person or group asking a series of questions about faith, especially within the Bible itself. Side note, there is this thing in like Catholicism called apologists. And these are people, like their literal job is just to learn a lot about the Bible to be able to refute any questions. I don't know why they're called apologists. It feels like they're apologizing for the Bible. That's not where the word comes from. Like originally we go back into like the ancient things. But yeah, so that is how that works. And so even with that case of the apologist, the goal is to answer the questions about God, not just to entertain them for what they are and how that can be really important. And so now that I'm older and I have been exposed to these two things that I had not been before, specifically for this sermon, I felt a little bit sad. I had missed out on some important things about God and all that the Spirit is from sticking mainly to the New Testament and almost completely avoiding Genesis readings like the one that, um, like the one we just read. And so now that I have absorbed all that information and got to process, I have a really hot take coming for y'all. It's bold, likely controversial, and we're going to have fun with it. And it is that 
God's love is conditional. Hold the gasps. Um, and I don't mean this in the like, um, you can't sit with us type of conditional, not like that at all, but kind of like an opt-in, opt-out sense. So like, you know those text ads that you get in there like at the bottom, they're like, text stop to get off our marketing list. That's kind of what we're talking about here. So like, what does that really mean in practice? God's love, first of all, is always there and doesn't exclude anyone or anything. That's not what I mean by conditional. The conditionality component comes in terms, comes in the idea of that we have to accept the terms through our faith. Here's a lovely metaphor for this. So God's love is like a new phone. And when you get a new phone, there's that really, really long terms and conditions, tiny, tiny, tiny print, and you could scroll through it for hours, but you have to hit agree before you can use that phone. AKA, the, the, the tiny text is the Bible, if you didn't get the metaphor, but um, you have to hit agree in order to use it. Like, you can't get around that step. It is completely necessary. Um, but you could always get a different phone and agree to different terms. You could always go back to the age of flip phones or like the giant ones people used to carry in their purses. Um, but accepting the conditions to God's love, we are opened up to a forever long faith relationship. And I think that's something really important to acknowledge. Because the key to God's love and understanding this conditionality is the idea of balance, which I think is demonstrated really wonderfully by these readings. In the Genesis reading, we see God literally bringing curses on the first two humans. Like, I think we can all admit that's a little harsh, it's, it's, to say the least. Um, in Romans, we hear um, words of rejoicing and redemption found through Christ. And I don't know if any of y'all have seen like memes of like Old Testament God versus New Testament God, but Jordan's not looking at me, Ava's not looking at me. <laughs> it's okay, meme. I don't know if y'all can see that, but you get the idea. Two, they are often portrayed as very contrasting. And I feel like this lovely thing pretty much sums it up. But genuinely, in all seriousness, these two energies that we're hearing of like redeemer versus like someone who is actively like cursing someone feel very opposite. But I promise they do balance out. You can go ahead and turn off the meme because if it stays up there, y'all stop listening to me. I wouldn't blame you. Memes are funny. Um, but in the Old Testament, as we see in Genesis, God is setting and enforcing clear boundaries with the first people. Don't eat of the tree. Very clear boundary, I would say. Um, and just like with all boundaries, God sets these boundaries out of love. The love doesn't go away if you cross the boundary. The love is just going to show up differently because that's how boundaries work. With the New Testament, God takes a page from gentle parenting TikTok and changes strategy a little bit and utilizes the lessons that we learn through natural consequences a little bit more. But there's still boundaries and still lessons that are being learned both ways. And I should say, neither of these is better or worse than the other. Actually, they both come together to create the balance that is having the faith of God. The balance composed of free will to accept or require distance from God if that's something that you need, the known and unknown of the mystery of faith that we'll talk about earlier, and what we see in the Old and New Testament through these readings. So yes, in the delicate balance that, is, that our faith strikes, there is room for God in the Old Testament in need of a snicker, being a bit of a baddie, giving some sass, setting and enforcing boundaries, and there's room for God in the New Testament, which is more full of mysteries and wonders of the spirits and the freedom that can only be accessed after we set boundaries. Because after all, just to be very clear, they are still the same God throughout the whole Bible. <laughs> so now in this Lenten season, this balance is really crucial for truly reconciling with 
the reality of Easter. Because it is both a brutal truth to understand someone giving up their son, but it is also so magnificent to do an action that literally saves everyone for the rest of time. Like, I don't even think we can like, fully conceptualize what that means. Um, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, um, it said, God is the one who did not spare the child of God, but rather for all of us handed the Messiah over. The true balance of our faith is so crucial to be able to celebrate the core of Easter. Without holding space for the grief that we feel during Lent, we cannot create the space for the amount of rejoicing and happiness and spring colors and pretty flowers that Easter is full of. And even outside of Lent and Easter, we're obviously in that time right now, but outside of that in a larger context, it is still crucial for our daily lives. God is modeling a behavior that we should try to replicate as best we can, given that we are not God. Um, and we should set clear and strong boundaries, like we see, um, in order to further our love. So that we can experience the abundance that comes after you set the boundaries, and you get this beautiful freedom and getting to be closer to our core selves and closer to the faith that empowers us. And in living in that balance that makes the very universe we exist in a very delicate, very perfect, very complicated harmony. <laughs>